The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Clemens Hoffman. Each week we will discuss tools, tips, and ways to radiate your best life ever, interviewing practitioners, authors, and luminaries to help you on your path. Wellness, joy, peace, abundance. What do you want to radiate? Welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. We are here to radiate empowerment with Dr. Diane Voss of Reinvent Your Health, which is a really interesting subscription-based medical practice. I I just think your practice is fascinating. Hi, Diane. Welcome. Thank you. Cool. Well, tell us just, since I brought it up, tell us just a little bit about your practice and how you operate. What I do is direct primary care, and Mm -hmm. the beauty of that is that it is a contract between the patient and the physician which is different than a contract between a patient and an insurance company and an insurance company and a doctor. So we're direct. We take out the middleman. Right. Um, So, you know, like an internist who's been established may be responsible for a panel of 3,000, 3,500 people, Mm -hmm. whereas doctors who do direct primary care are responsible for maybe five, 600 people. Yeah. So when somebody calls, we actually know who that is. <laughs> Imagine that. And we remember them. And this is how most doctors actually enjoy practicing. Um, but the way the system is, it, it's a lot, it's pretty difficult. Um, so it's not concierge medicine. So okay. concierge medicine, they still take insurance and they're going to bill you insurance. And then they right. put you on retainer to do extra stuff and be available. And that tends to be pretty expen- pretty expensive. Um, there's probably the around 40, about 40 doctors in the area who were looking at medicine and were like, wow, why is this so expensive? You know, in 2000, Does it have to be? Yeah, in 2015, 85% of people never met their deductible. So they were paying for all of their health care. Oh, my Lord. Plus paying some insurance company a monthly fee to say that they were covered. Oh, wow. Well, and the thing is that people will, um, like, put off things because because of this deductible, and they've got this this health plan they that might have things. more bells and, whist- bells and whistles and things, and then they're not even meeting their deductible? That sounds crazy. 
Well, it's great if you're an insurance company. Right, it is. It's great if you're an insurance company, right? Um, so pe- people do put off doing things, and I've had several people tell me, well, you know, my health plan is to not see the doctor. <laughs> I'm like, well, well you know, you would think that's the plan. That's that's a good plan if you feel good. Right. Um, well, then so, you obviously don't need as big of a, an insurance plan. You yeah, know. so with direct primary care, um, most of us are in there to actually make health care affordable. We're in it because we like taking care of people. Yes. And we want to be able to do what we do best, which is to be available. Um, You know, there's actually my insurance, my malpractice insurance is less because the insurance companies has figured out that with direct primary care, there's a 50% decrease in emergency room utilization because really? if you can actually get in to see your doctor when you're sick, you don't get as sick. If you can call your doctor with questions, you can sometimes avert stuff. Um, if you have a question, sometimes it doesn't need to go to the emergency room. Right. And if the doctor can spend more than seven minutes with you, they may be able to educate you or actually do a small procedure in the office. So for Okay, so hang on. Let me, let me just get this straight. So the insurance companies are seeing that this is a better model. Well, the malpractice insurance company. The malpractice insurance the company. The health okay, insurance right. companies like it the way it is. Right, okay. Because, you know, their income is greater than their outgo, which is every business person's goal. You can't die for being in business. A dream, right. So the direct primary care model is that we try to um, provide lab and procedures at a lower cost when we can. Um, We tend not to mark up things as much. We are able to um, buy medications as a group for Mm -hmm. a lower price, and then we can dispense certain things out of our offices. It's usually things that we use a lot. But picture this, okay, you get strep throat, you feel terrible, you call right. the doctor, somebody answers the phone, actually, which is the first <laughs> That's cool amazing. thing. And right. It goes to voicemail sometimes, because I got one nurse, and she can't right. talk to eight people at once, but, you know, somebody actually gets back to you, they work you in the same day or the next day. That's fantastic. And you get there, and they're actually, they do a strep test, and you don't get charged any extra, because it's something that's done in the office. So you get the answer. You know, and, and you don't have to go to the pharmacy and wait for three hours because you walk up to the front and they hand you your prescription and you're like, oh, it's only, wow. And you go home and go to bed. Imagine. Yeah, it's really cool. And that in my really office, cool. you get a little bag of throat coat tea, too. Oh, that's <laughs> nice. I like You're full service, <laughs> aren't you? <laughs> um, so there's there's several doctors in this area that are doing that, and they're just a, an amazing group of people who have an right. amazing vision and just, just want to take care of people. Oh, that is so cool. So, so let me ask you, how long have you been a doctor? Um, I think about 30 years. <laughs> yeah, you've been doing it a minute. <laughs> yeah. It. And when did you start reinvent your health? Um, I finally had the guts to let loose the golden handcuffs right. and start this business in um, November of 2016. Okay, well, good for you. So, and it's because I had a lot of help from the other direct primary care doctors who said, hey, right. you can do this. And this is where you find equipment mm-hmm. that you can afford, and this is where you find, um, you know, things, a way to do business that you can afford, and this is where you find the model, and this is how you do it from a legal standpoint. So right. it's, it's a wonderful group of people. So if you're in the greater Kansas City area, um, there is a website that lists doctors yeah. that do this, uh-huh. and that is uh, the Midwest DPC Alliance. 
www.ghostsandghosts.org. That will be in the show notes. We'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, so it's it's mostly family practice, a couple mm-hmm. um, internal medicine, a couple of pediatrics. Um, so okay, on so the website, they have mm-hmm. a little blurb about where they are and what their kind of special interests are. Oh, fantastic. And, so uh, some do specialize in a way. Well, you know, some people just love diabetes. You know. the, sure. the other interesting thing is with direct primary care, you don't have anybody telling you that you can't do house calls. So a lot of us wow. do house calls. Wow. Um, I mean, this seems so revolutionary, but I it's mean... It's like 1940 all over again. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Except with better medicines. Yes. And more diagnostics. True. Did you know that like 97% of all medications have been invented since 1964? Really? That was the year I was born, which That's is the, the only reason too. I remember that. But I'm like... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> All these medicines have been around as long as I have. That's amazing. Yeah. Right? So, you know, you mentioned the golden handcuffs and, you know, cutting that, you know, letting go of the side of the pool, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. and start going out on your own as a direct primary care physician. But, you know, this that model really has its own golden handcuffs or its, its own benefits. Let's say that. Its own benefits in a way. It's like you're not really having a different quality of life or a different type of lifestyle being out on your own. And the reason I mention this, Diane, is because uh, I don't know if you've seen that documentary by Michael Moore, Sicko. No. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, it's wonderful. He's talking about um, medicine as it's practiced here versus as it's practiced in, in country, countries that have socialized medicine, which is, a, mm-hmm. a, again, a different model. Right. But um, we've got this misconception that doing it any other way than the way we have it set up is detrimental to physicians. And that's not true. That's not true. No, not true. So physicians can make a a very good go at being direct care and have more enjoyment out of, you know, their practice. It's a much better lifestyle. I'm sure. It's much less stressful because you're actually able to do what you need to do a lot of times. Yeah, you can make a um, and difference. And you're not just writing a prescription all the time. Right. You get to do the education. You get to know people. You get to understand the family. You know, um, you've got more than seven minutes. You don't have a, a boss saying, well, you have to do it this way because we've always done it this way. Now, you know, we still have to practice good medicine. Or once in a while somebody says, well, can't you do this? And I'm like, no. No, That's not really good can't medicine. Do <laughs> I can't do that. Um, but I also appreciate a lot of alternative and complementary medicine and mm-hmm. you know very often approaching something from several angles at once is more effective yeah um and so it's it's a lot of fun because you get to think we have time to read about what's going on we have time to pick up the phone and call our colleagues and say hey right. um, in fact this group that's one of the things we do we have a little blog where when we have a, something that's interesting um, or challenging, or like, sure. we're like, man, help. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of like having a group practice. Yeah, yeah. Well, and this is what happened before hospitalists. We would go to the hospital sure. in the morning and go to the doctor's lounge, and you would talk to the neurologist and the cardiologist and the pulmonologist and the other few people. And then when the you know, primary care people were kicked out of the hospital, and you have the hospitalist, and then you don't know what happens when the person's in the hospital anymore, and then you don't talk to your colleagues anymore because you're in your office. And every change has its pluses and minuses. Sure. Um, but things are done very differently in other countries. And none of these policies are ever set by physicians. <laughs> they are set by whoever's holding the money bags, and it really isn't us. Right. You know, I've had patients come in and say, 
well, you know, I paid you $79. You must be rich because you saw 10 people today. You, you got a lot of money. And I'm like, uh, um, I paid the rent. Right. I paid my employees. Exactly. I paid the utilities. <laughs> and and I, I paid my malpractice. Uh, right. Um, hour for hour, I enjoy my job. And not everybody has that. So I'm incredibly no. lucky. You are incredibly lucky. And I've been to your space, your, you know, your, your center. And it's really nice, too. And you've got everything there you need. Pretty much. Pretty much. Okay, so what we're here to talk about is empowerment and empowering clients, patients, I guess you would call them. Mm -hmm. And then um, you had done a presentation at one of the fairs, one of the local fairs. I think it was a metaphysical fair, maybe Kansas City metaphysical, Mm -hmm. right? About, hey, your test results came back and everything's normal. It's like, well, shoot, why do I still feel bad? Yeah. Yeah, and that is a huge issue. I've been on the that side of it. Yeah, you know, that's like, not fun. No, it's not fun. It's like, but I still feel terrible. So, yes, how can somebody empower themselves to know, like, okay, well, what do I do now? What do we do? Well, I think the first thing is, you know, honor yourself sure. and don't give away your power. So Excellent. when someone says there's nothing wrong and you're absolutely sure there's nothing wrong, okay, now there's science to back this up. Um so in any in, in the United States, the study was done in the United States, when people go to the doctor, two-thirds of the time they leave the office without a specific diagnosis. I can believe that. Two-thirds of the time. And I was like looking at that going, oh, I'm, I'm a little bit better than that, but I don't know if I want to keep statistics because <laughs> <All right. laughs> I don't like that. Um, no. But if you leave with a diagnosis like dizziness or nausea, that's really not telling us what's that's going on. That's more a symptom, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and a lot of times, these symptoms, they're, they're debilitating. They can be. Um, Absolutely. You know, so when somebody tells me they're tired, you know, first of all, what does tired mean? Right. Uh, the other problem we get into is there's about 223 symptoms and 5 million diseases. So people come in, well, I'm tired, so I must have limes. And I'm like, well, there's a lot of things <laughs> that could make you tired. True. And we're going to start going through that list. Um, but the interesting thing is of all these people that leave without a diagnosis, right. um, and all these people that are told they're normal when they don't feel well, 95% of the time, a real diagnosis is actually found. So when someone tells you're crazy, you can look at them and say, well, actually, there's only a 5% chance that I'm crazy. So <laughs> I never rule that out per- personally, but you know. <laughs> You know, there, there is craziness. There is craziness, <laughs> and the things, yes, but it doesn't mean that everything is in your head. You know, well, and the other thing is, you know, even even when I'm crazy, I can still have a headache. <laughs> you can be crazy and have something. Absolutely. Right. Um, it's, it's not much fun, but, um, <laughs> so then the question is, how does this happen? So the, the first thing is, get another opinion. Excellent advice. um, Because the person looking, there are a whole lot of reasons why something's not found. I mean, first of all, all human beings have these filters, and we have this experience. Right. And a lot of things in medicine, it it goes by a pattern. And if I studied that pattern 30 years ago, but I haven't seen it since then, I might not recognize it when it comes in front of me. Well, the other thing is, are you in front of the right person with the right experience? So, you know, if, if I'm talking to somebody and they're a carpenter and they're more likely to find a solution that involves a hammer and a nail than they are to find a solution that involves a a mop and a mop bucket you know so having getting in front of the person that has a filter that's not filtering you out 
right. um, so that they're actually hearing what you're saying. And, and again, this is part of the wonderful thing about direct primary care. I thought I was just thinking in the same thing. In seven minutes, you can't ask very many questions. And so right. what happens is you go and you say, I got this, and I go, okay, and they write, order a bunch of tests, and they order some medicines that cover the symptoms, and out you go, you know, and the nurse calls back and goes, everything's fine, click, and you're like, but, but, but. And you call back and say, okay, what, I, I don't feel good. I want to talk to the doctor. Oh, your next available is, you know, eight weeks. And you're like, I could be dead by then. Right. Exactly. Um, and I still don't feel good. So you go back and you get your another seven minutes. And, and they're like, uh, okay, let's order the next bunch of tests. Or my big pet peeve is they look through your chart and you go, well, you know, on this date you had this and this and you had this. And I'm like, no, that is not accurate. <laughs> let's go over this again. Yeah, the the computers, boy, I I really enjoyed paper charts when I had them because um, I could actually write things in with the computers. You know, you, you're clicking stuff, and even with the codes, mm-hmm. um, you know, I might want to put down a diagnosis of they have something on the left cheek, but the only available ch- code is skin lesion. Well, you know, you look at that in eight weeks, and you're like, oh, where was that? Yeah. Um, but most doctors really want to help people. That's mm-hmm. why we go to medical school. Mm-hmm. I mean, in all honesty. Right. Um, and I had somebody talk to me the other day, and they're like, well, you know, I didn't want to do what the doctor did, and they got all upset. They're a jerk. And the reality is, most likely, that they care too much because they have this experience, mm-hmm. and it may not be true of you, but in this experience, they saw this person going down this horrible path. Mm-hmm. and you know, it's a little scary to us when when we know there's a possibility. We are trained to go to the worst-case scenario always sure. because you always want to prevent the worst-case scenario. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, sometimes we're, I guess, we're egotistical maniacs maybe. <laughs> but a lot of times we're just like, yeah, but, yeah, but, there's this window of opportunity and you're missing your window. <laughs> um, and it, it takes a little bit of time to actually be able to talk to somebody to find out why they're resistant to something or why they think you're wrong and a lot of times they're right I learn so much from my patients I'll bet you do because you listen well and you know sometimes I haven't thought of it that way and they're like yeah but couldn't it be and I'm like well you look that up (laughs) it could be um so part of the problem might be that whatever you have isn't actually in the center of the bell curve. There are outliers. Absolutely. Um, And it may be something that's not very common, or it may be something that hasn't been described yet. Mm -hmm. You know, what if you had fibromyalgia, you know, in the 1940s and nobody heard of it yet? Oh my gosh, that would definitely be chalked up to being in your mind at that time. You just, you're just, you're lazy. <laughs> well, and we are finding now there are more and more studies saying that women present differently with different things than men do. Yes. And so, you know, the literature might not describe things the way well, that the classic is, is heart attacks, you know. Right. For a while, um, heart attacks were missed in women because the presentation was a little bit different, you know, in course of finally the... Uh, uh, the Cardiac Association said, hey, <laughs> let's notice this. You know. um, and it was a matter of educating the public as well. Um, right. Oh, I remember I, seeing posters. It's like, these are the signs in men and these are the signs in women. It's like, oh, good to know. Good to know. And people a lot of times don't want to know either. I, I was talking to a lady today who had a stroke about six weeks ago. Ooh. And she's in church and her vision blurs and she had slurred speech and her facial droop happened and she was having trouble 
walking, her blood pressure is high, and the ambulance comes, and she didn't go to the hospital, and she didn't go to the doctor, um, and she went home. Why? She got very bad. <laughs> right. Um, because she was afraid. Oh. You know, we have free will, and part of free will sure. is the free will to make choices that might not be in our best interest. Um, maybe that choice was in her best interest. You know, I can't judge that. Um, mm -hmm. But but it is interesting. So if you just tell somebody they need to do something, but you're not on their map, mm. then you might not be able to inspire them in the way that you want to. And, right. And it doesn't mean that we're controlling people. When it's, not, it's not the point. Um, but we want to make sure that people have as much information as possible mm -hmm. to make the best choice for themselves at, at that point. Right, um, right. And it helps right. with that. So other reasons is, you know, sometimes insurance isn't going to pay for a specific test. That is um, unfortunate, right. And some doctors have awareness of this. Some of them don't. Um, there's a lot of little niche industries now, you know, talking about things. Um, but sometimes an insurance is going to pay for a panel, um, if you order the test too soon, there are certain things to do with neuropathies that if you get the test too soon, it's a negative test. And so I've had patients get upset with me like, well, I want this test now. You know, my cousin had this test and I said, okay, I can do this test. But if it's negative, I won't be allowed to do it again. Mm -hmm. And this test often takes six weeks to turn positive. So can we treat your symptoms now and then do the test when it's most likely to be helpful to us? Well, if I have time to explain that, the patient's going to be a whole lot happier than if I just say, well, this is the way it's done. Um, and Absolutely. for myself, you know, I got to a point where I, I was writing about scripts and I didn't feel like I was making a difference. I was controlling the diabetes, but people weren't changing their lives. And it was yeah, just this that's pill, pill factory. Sure. Um, so I thought, you know, what would it take for me to have the education and the availability and the time to present things in a way that allowed people the space to make different choices. Mm -hmm. Why not? Absolutely. Why not? Well, you can find out more about them and what their lifestyle is like, so then they can then you can ask the right questions. The reality is we all know what we're supposed to do. We do. We do. Um, and you don't need a doctor to tell you that you should eat healthy and you should exercise, right? Mm -hmm. yes. I've told people that for years. It doesn't make any difference. <laughs> I've told myself that for years, and it doesn't, it doesn't make, make any difference. difference. And I know I feel better when I do certain things. I still get to test it once in a while just to make sure. Just to make sure. Still sure. Sometimes I have to have a piece um, of cake to know that I really don't need to have gluten. Absolutely. Right. So, and that's things like gluten sensitivity and food sensitivity right. are things that are missed a lot, and they cause a lot of symptoms, and they don't always cause the symptoms that we expect. So people think, well, I'm not gluten sensitive because my stomach doesn't hurt. Well, well what if your gluten sensitivity is that you get a headache 36 hours later? Exactly. So that's interesting. Um, and honestly, first of all, we're not trained in some of this stuff. Mm -hmm. Um and second of all, sometimes we are trained, to, you know, but if you learned 8 million pieces of information and you got th forgot 3 million of them and had to review it, you know, we do do a lot of continuing education and sure. things like that. Well, and there are discoveries being made all the time, too. It's Absolutely. hard to keep up with every single thing. Well, then you get into the thing that different things are appropriate in different populations. Oh. You know, but we have to be careful because we don't want to discriminate. True, <laughs> you know? true. Um and we also see situations where in a culture who's eating like their culture eats, they do fine, and then they come over and get into the standard American diet, and mm -hmm. you know, 
not as not as pretty. Right. right. Um, so some of it is that there are diseases that aren't common. Mm-hmm. Some of it is that there are diseases that haven't declared themselves yet. On average, you take something like lupus. On average, it takes 10 years to be diagnosed. That's what I've heard. Um, and part of that is there's no test that says this is lupus. There's actually really? criteria. Okay. And so if you have X number of the large number of criteria, then there's mm-hmm. a probability that you have this. Um, and some of those medications have the possibility of significant side effects. So I wouldn't want to start that on somebody unless right. I was absolutely sure this is what the diagnosis was. Right, absolutely. Um, is that also true of Lyme's disease? Lyme's is disease there... is very difficult, I think, because the testing is not um, very reliable. There's a lot of false negatives. There's a lot of false positives. There's a lot of questions about how it should be interpreted. Mm-hmm. Um, there's questions about, you know, where after the exposure are you going to find it? So there's this whole symptom complex, and everybody presents in a different way. I mean, there is sure. gallbladder, for instance, is a, a great mimicker. There's so many different ways that it might present. Really? It might present as pain. It might present as nausea. It might present as diarrhea. Right. That's true. Or all of those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lucky you. <laughs> it presents as pain in the back. And you go, right. I think it's your gallbladder. What's well, my back, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but we don't have all the receptors there. And sometimes they just trigger something else. Um, totally. And I feel like autoimmune issues are another thing that's really difficult to diagnose. Why is that? Um, I think because a lot of them haven't been very well defined. Sure. And the other thing is, you know, if you break your leg, it's broken. It's clear that it's broken. It's clear. Okay. But if you have an autoimmune disease, how you feel is different from minute to minute and day to day. It is. And sometimes even the patients, you know, it makes them crazy. How feel you, how good, how do you feel today? I'm good, I think. I'm not sure I remember what good is. I think it's good. And I don't think I'm flared. I think I'm just tired. <laughs> or the doctor will say, well, now you, you typically present with uh, stomach pain. It's like, well, depends on the day. You typically day. Uh, present with, with fatigue. Well, it depends on the day. How are you doing today? I don't know. Let me see. <laughs> you know? It is. It's like, it's like whack-a-mole. It's, that's the other problem. Right. If you focus on how bad you feel all the time, you're not going to function very well, and you're going to scare yourself. And so if you ignore it all the time, there's a problem. And if you focus on it all the time, there's a problem. So right. it's finding that, that happy medium. Um, and, again, the definitions do change with some of this mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and some of the things like um, histamine reactions. Mm-hmm. We have histamine in our body all the time, and there are a lot of things that trigger histamine. So if you have ragweed, and it's ragweed season, and you get a runny nose and itchy eyes, then that's clear that that's what it is. But if you are somebody who doesn't tolerate histamine very well, and you eat sauerkraut, and you start having flushing and night sweats, um, that's a little bit different. And so what happens is you have histamine all the time, but it's kind of like water in a bathtub. Um, you know, there can be water in a bathtub and it's no problem, but when it starts running over the edge, it's a little bit of a problem. When it runs a lot over the edge, it's a big lot of a problem. And it's not caused by one thing. Okay, so gotcha. if you have an allergy coming from the outside and then you're eating a food that raises histamines and then you're tired and then actually some foods um, have a relatively low histamine count right when they're cooked, but if you eat them three days later, the histamine content is a lot stronger. Well, that's why people are saying, you know, I ate this yesterday and it was fine, and three days later I ate it and I had this horrible diarrhea. 
Well, that's because it changed. But when you're looking at that history, you think, well, sometimes I react to it and sometimes I don't. There's well, a reason. This is really like whack-a-mole. It <laughs> is. Oh, my God. <laughs> Hi, this is Christy. I just want to say that we here at Radiate Wellness hope you're enjoying this podcast. It's free to you, and we hope that you find it informative and inspirational. Heck, even fun. We have just three small asks of you to help us radiate growth. First, please hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening on. That way, you'll receive a notification every time that we have a new podcast episode out. Next, please give us a thumbs up, a like, or a five-star review. If you're feeling inspired, a positive review wouldn't hurt. These two small things will help others find us when they're searching for great podcasts. Finally, Please tell your friends about the Radiate Wellness Podcast. Better yet, show them how to find us and how to subscribe. If everyone did that, we would double our audience. Thanks a lot. We really appreciate it. It's like you have to have this huge flow chart on the wall. <laughs> you do. It, it you gets do. confusing. So if I'm asking questions, it doesn't do very much good for me to ask all the questions. It's much, much easier and much more effective if I can sit down with the patient and say, this is what we're looking for, this is why, this is what this might mean. Now you go give, live your life and take some notes and come back and, and we'll talk about it together. Sure. Which works a whole lot better than me going, hmm, well I think, let's do this. Right. Um, well we can rule that out, now let's try this, now that we can rule that out. Yeah, right. and people get frustrated because sometimes it's a process, you know. It and can be. Somebody will come in and go, well, why can't you just give me these three drugs? And I'm like, I can. And then when you have a side effect, how are we going to know which one it is? That's a very good point. Um, so the other fun thing is when we start collaborating, you know. Um, there are things... Now are you talking about two doctors collaborating or collaborating with the patient? When you collaborate with the patient, when you collaborate with the doctor, when you collaborate with an acupuncturist, when you collaborate okay. with a, a counselor, when you collaborate with an energy worker, when you collaborate with a dietitian, sure. when you collaborate with God. <laughs> right? Hey, this is a, a deep well here. It we got really a lot is. of options. We got a lot of hands in there. We do. Um, so that, that helps also as we develop a network. Um, but I don't want my clients dependent on me because, you know, I might step in front of a bus tomorrow mm -hmm. and I would really want them or my kids or anybody else or my mom or whoever to have an understanding of the things that are bothering them and why so that they can go get to the next person and go, let me tell you about my issue situation. <laughs> well, and also the, the patient is the best the best expert for themselves. Yeah, I mean, the funny thing is, I don't spend much time in your body. Right. <laughs> Probably could. Probably could. Yeah, thank you. I feel quite ill at ease there. My, my own over here. Right, <laughs> absolutely. It does absolutely. things just without asking my permission. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. Especially when you turn certain birthdays, you know, in certain years. And I don't believe in age. Age is not a disease, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, the, the, the patient is their best expert. And so, you know, to absolutely. have somebody dependent on someone outside of themselves that is giving their power away, mm -hmm. right? And so, and this is all about empowerment. It's about empowerment. So if a client or a patient comes in and says, I, I have these symptoms, um, I think this is what's going on, I'm not really sure, this is how I'm feeling, and then you get test results back, 
and deliver this wonderful news. Well, good news. Everything is normal. Okay, so what can the what can the patient do at that point? Besides, you mentioned get a second opinion. Definitely get a second opinion. Definitely get a second. Are there questions that a patient would ask? Um, well, I think that I actually enjoy it when my patients do some reading and have come with specific questions. Okay. Um, you know, when someone says, do you think this could be Lyme? And I'm able to say, well, I don't think so because blah, blah, blah. Or why do you think so? But a lot of times the real question is, what are you the most afraid of? Mm. Because if we don't address that, Mm -hmm. then they're not going to believe anything else. And, you know, if somebody's afraid they have heart disease and I say, well, no, I just think this is whatever, I have to know how to make their mind easy. Mm-hmm. And I also have to give them the tools so that if I'm wrong, they can recognize that too. Because right. I know, I know it's a huge secret, but doctors do make mistakes sometimes. Um, so I want to give them the tools to protect them from my filters mm-hmm. and from my prejudice, so to speak. I want to sure. give them the tools to protect themselves from their family members. I mean, that comes in all the time. Well, I have this and this and this, but my my ex, my whoever doesn't doesn't believe me. My right. mom doesn't believe me. My husband doesn't believe me. I don't believe myself. <laughs> um, so that's kind of a process, but it's getting people to have self-awareness sometimes. That's a good point. Um, sometimes we just are not living in our bodies. We might be ma- in our bodies. Making but. sure that I'm defining it the same way you're defining it. Mm-hmm. You know, getting on the same if, page. If you tell me that you have fatigue mm-hmm. today, this just happened today. This Great. lady, the nurse comes in and she says, well, this lady's blood pressure is up and she's having shortness of breath. Okay. And I'm like, okay. So I'm talking to her and I'm, I keep asking her about her breath and she keeps looking at me like I'm crazy. Um, well, it turns out, after a little bit of digging, she felt short of breath in her abdomen. She didn't feel short of breath in her lungs. Okay. And so the interesting thing was she was actually extremely constipated. Oh. And okay. she was describing that as short of breath because of the fullness. Yes. And she, she felt restricted. Interesting. Um, which makes perfect sense when you realize what angle she was coming from, but when I'm trying to decide whether she's having a heart attack or she's got fluid on her lungs. Shortness of breath can be really scary. <laughs> well, yeah. Right? You, I mean, you know, I used to get dunked in the pool. I did not like it. No, <laughs> absolutely. And so it's, it's kind of semantics in a way, but just asking enough questions and getting enough definition from a patient to realize if you're on the same page or not. Yep. That makes me sure if you've only got seven minutes... It just doesn't work. It doesn't and, and work. I would tell you that sometimes a lot of healing happens right in the middle of disease in mm-hmm. that I've had people that I finally figure out what's going on and I'm like, there's nothing I can do and this is going to get worse. And I'm just like heartbroken and it is wow. not at all uncommon for the person to say, you've helped me so much. And, and I'm looking at them going, I haven't done anything. And they're like, well, you listened. And I'm like, oh, well, that's something I could do. (laughs) Um, And I think that is true of human beings in general. We want to be And even doctors, we feel not listened to sometimes. Sure. (laughs) Um, Yeah, we want to be heard. We want to feel like we're um, receiving empathy. We want to feel like we're... Well, and that's the thing. When people don't feel judged, they're more Mm -hmm. likely to tell you the truth. That's a very good point. And they're more likely to be honest about how they feel, 
on what they're doing and how things are affecting them. Mm -hmm. um, some people are just really stoic. They come, oh, I feel fine because they think that's what you want to hear. Mm -hmm. Medicine's fine because they think that's what you want to hear. Or sometimes they say, oh, I feel fine because they're afraid of telling you how they really feel. I wonder if that yeah, happens. I don't it's like if I tell you I'm having these symptoms, you may tell me I'm having heart problems. Yeah. <laughs> Some, sometimes I've actually true. known people who, who've taken that. And so sometimes like, people are settling. They feel good when they could feel great. Right. They don't know that they're not feeling that great. Yeah. Until they feel better. There you go. Exactly. Um, it's like how, how do we know until if we're feeling great until we can feel better than we are feeling right now. So, so it does become a process, and there are a lot of doctors out there who want to be in that process with you. Sure. And um, want to co-create and collaborate and right. don't want to just, you know, give you directions. <laughs> yeah, or give you drugs. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'd said drugs cause a lot of problems. Sure. They cause a lot of miracles, but they cause a lot of problems. Well, they can. And I've literally had people come in for energy healing, and they, I had one client, oh my goodness, she was a young woman, and she, her partner had to basically carry her in. She was so weak, and she came in with this shopping bag full of supplements and things mm -hmm. she was taking and and she said I'm just so sick and nobody can tell me what's wrong everything comes back normal I'm hoping you can help me and I said well let's look at what you're taking and it was literally full of supplements and I said well where did you get the idea that you needed all of these things and she said, oh I saw online that somebody was helped when they took this yeah it looks great right exactly yeah. and so they add these things on and then you realize that okay, you're taking so many things, they're not interacting well. Right. One of the things she was taking was turpentine. Oof. Right? Because she saw on a website that some official-sounding person said that turpentine was good for you. And so all of this together, and that's just supplements, things you can get yeah. without a prescription. And different things affect people differently. You know, they do. One person takes something, and it's a miracle drug, and the next person takes it, and they're in liver failure. Right. Um, and a lot of that isn't regulated. Mm -hmm. um, um, and sometimes you're seeing too many people going in different directions. Mm -hmm. So when you go to your naturopath and they're putting you on one thing and you put you go to cardiologist and they put you on something else and then you go to your physical therapist and they recommend something else and and nobody's taking all of that into account. But, you know, I had that experience. Right. I went to a doctor once and they were like, well, I'm not going to treat you if you're taking any supplements. And I was like, great, I just won't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, well, that's not going, smart. I don't no, advise that's it. true. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Sorry, and this is true of, you know, traditional, um, I don't know, you see, you have, you have a cardiologist, you have a pulmonologist, you have an endocrinologist, and you're seeing all of these different specialists for all these different issues you have, and they all prescribe different things, but they don't necessarily talk to each other. We don't have time. We don't have time, no. You know, if no I time. call, you know, that person's probably working. And when they call me, I'm probably working. <laughs> you know? And I see that as a problem. I mean, I've known people who are on different medications because it's like, and I've gone to the doctor, for example, with my mom. And the doctor would say, well, why are you on this medication? Well, this doctor told me I needed it. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, okay, well, we need to talk. Oh, what, what I usually get? Mm -hmm. I don't know. <laughs> well, did you ask? Well, no. Okay. Why do you think you might be on it? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, somebody's on something, it works. They go into the hospital. The hospital doesn't have that on formula, so they switch it. 
and then they come out of the hospital on something else, and it's not because it's a better option, it's because it's what was on their formulary. Right. Um, sometimes, you know, I had a guy tell me the other day, he was on a supplement that he said he didn't think it was working very well for him, and he got it from somebody else, and we're chatting and chatting and chatting, and, you know, his blood levels have been going up, and I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And he was like, you know, when I was seeing this other provider five years ago, I used a different supplement, it worked a lot better. Well, what was it? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> and well, the funny thing is, <laughs> I was actually able to go onto that person's website and pull up their list of stuff. <laughs> was it this bottle right here? <laughs> <laughs> and we figured it out. Right. Which was which was really interesting. Um, yeah. But different things do work for different people. Um, it's one of those things, you know, as a doctor, you read books a lot. Sure. And the funny thing is, sometimes the patient didn't read the book. <laughs> And you're like, hey, figure. you are not following the rules. <laughs> I want life to be black and white, and you're all shades of gray here. <laughs> well, now, let's, let's talk about that. You know, sometimes patients will go on, you know, you're on WebMed at 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, I've got indigestion, and I can't sleep. Oh, my God, I've got cancer. Because they saw, <laughs> saw that, you know, there was a certain symptom on WebMed that, you mm-hmm. know, could be considered really bad and... And so I guess um, arming ourselves with some information is okay, but maybe take it with a grain of salt or... It's kind of how you act on it. Okay. You know, so if you think you have cancer and then you just ignore it, that (laughs) probably isn't a good choice. Right. Um, If you think you have cancer and you just give everything to everybody in your family so you have to deal with it later, you might be a little bit premature. Um, You know, you might have cancer. But then instead of being afraid of it, let's find out what we can do about it mm-hmm. and go from there right. as, as part of a team, which works out a lot better. Yeah, that works out a lot better. Because um, a lot of things are actually not as scary in reality as they are in our minds. Mm-hmm. Of course, sometimes things aren't as good in reality as they are in our minds either. But um, I'm a breast cancer survivor, and yeah. a lot of people in my family have had breast cancer. My mom died of it. Um, I'm the first person in my family to make it past 50. Yeah. Um, you know, and so when I got that diagnosis, I was like, oh, I'm dead. My son just quit. <laughs> and then the funny thing happened is they gave me the exact same chemo that they gave my mom in 1970. And I went, oh, I'm dead. And then I stood up one day and I said, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to approach this differently. Sure. Um, so now I don't have the exact same genes, so maybe my dad saved me. <laughs> I don't know. But you have a different mindset too. Well, it's interesting because I won't recommend it. You know, it's right. it's not what I would call fun, but it is one of the best things that ever happened to me because it gave me the space to make changes in my life that I actually needed to make. Yeah. And I found out some amazing things about myself and about my friends and about my family, and those are good things to know, too. And in the end, for me, it was just a major inconvenience that is now gone. You yeah. know, and if I had allowed that to overcome me, it would not have been nearly as much fun. So. Right, and you didn't allow it to define you either. No. No, not at all. And most of the time, and, and that's because I had some amazing caretakers. Mm-hmm. I had some amazing people who were looking from the outside and saying, hey, it looks like you're doing this. And you're like, really? No, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No. <sighs> yes, I am. Now, what do you mean when you're doing that? Um, so, you know, the biggest thing they, they said was take care of yourself. I am taking care of myself. No, you're not. 
Oh, yes, I am. I'm doing what I have to do. No, you're not taking care of yourself. Well, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to. No, here's this list of things we recommend. Now you have permission to do those things, and in fact, we're going to tell you to do those things, um, and it's going to make a difference. And, you know, sometimes you got to just be the patient, which... You know, that's kind of hard too. for a doctor, isn't it? Doctors are terrible. <coughs> that's what Absolutely I've heard. terrible. <coughs> that's what I've heard. The doctors are terrible patients. Absolutely. Right? Because they have those those filters, you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, in my professional opinion, doctor, it's like, no, you're the patient right now. Yeah, so so even as a as a patient there are there are a lot of things that we can do. And what my biggest takeaway so far is that we need to be asking the right questions. We need to maybe seek a second opinion if we mm-hmm. if we just feel like we're not being heard. Well speak up. Speak say up. Say it in a different way. Bring somebody with you who can be your your, your co- advocate. advocate. Yeah, that's an excellent that's an excellent uh, suggestion. Well, and Don't be afraid of sounding stupid. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if you're worried about how you sound, then you don't say what you need to say, then you're not going to get the answers you need. Right. Maybe approach it with an open mind. That's true. Just because you were up um, at 3 a.m. Googling all these symptoms and you think you know what it is, have an open mind and listen. Well, that is an interesting point. Um, I've worked in some some other clinics, and I, when I was first starting to look at some of the alternative stuff, I thought, this is going to be so cool. You know, I'm going to have options to do this. Right. And I would go there, and, and the person would say, well, I believe in supplements, but I don't believe in acupuncture, and I don't believe in chiropractic, and I don't believe in this and that and the other. And they put themselves in just as much of a box with their alternative stuff as they had been putting themselves in a box with this traditional medicine. I'm not going to say traditional, I should say standard medicine. Right. Um, so we all have a tendency to do that to ourselves. We, we build our own cages. We do, don't we? Um, <laughs> With our own judgments and our own prejudices. Yeah, we do. Um, so we can get out of that and just be, have a op- more open mind. And some of it, it's as simple as choosing to be happy. <laughs> Yeah. I have a great slide, which you won't let me show. <laughs> I know. I said, no notes. <laughs> so this little girl standing there, and she's got this jar that says happiness, and she's going, and this other little girl's like, where did you find this? I've been looking for it and looking for it all over and all over it. I can't find it. And she goes, why? I made my very own. <laughs> um, which is not as easy as it sounds. <laughs> it's not. Then people come up with all kinds of, but you don't understand why I can't have this jar of happiness. You don't understand my life, why I can't make it. And so, yeah. And that's absolutely true. You know, But I also think that you don't have to have experienced something to have some compassion for it. Yes. Um, But I also think that sometimes I, in particular, need help seeing things in a different way sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the idea of of being part of a team, I think, is is the magic of it. You know, if... If I'm helping the patient, the patient's helping me, and we're able to tap into some other resources, um, it, it makes a huge difference. And uh, that's one of the things this model does. Right. It allows us to kind of all grow up together. Right. <laughs> well, go through life together. I love that. So, yeah. So this this model of you know direct primary care is, is one model. But even if you don't 
have a physician who practices that type of model, there are things to do. Just work as a team with the, the physician. If you're not being mm -hmm. heard, see if you can find somebody else. Right. I mean, if you right. go down the street and you meet 100 people, mm -hmm. you're not going to be best friends with everyone. Absolutely. Um, and it's the same way with any kind of service that mm -hmm. you're getting, whether it's your plumber or your doctor or anybody. You know, you need to find somebody that you can resonate with and trust. So who's going to listen to you, right? Absolutely. And maybe has your same values. Oh, that's a good point, too. Yeah. And maybe your same communication style or at least a communication style that meshes with you. Absolutely. Right? And decent staff. <laughs> you know, front office staff can make or break a practice, I've found. Absolutely. Right? If you can't get past that front office or they are hostile, it mm -hmm. just doesn't work. Right? Yeah. So it's a little bit tricky, but it's worth looking for an office, a staff, a, a physician who works with you and who will listen. It's asking lots of questions mm -hmm. and it's really in listening too. So I think that's that's really essential. So we can be empowered when we're visiting with not just an MD, but our naturopath, our Absolutely. chiropractor, our acupuncturist, our you know Chinese medicine doctor, whatever you're, whatever we're following. Just bringing that teamwork to the table, I Absolutely. think, is so important and empowering ourselves. Well, Diane, thank you so much. I will put your website, which is reinventyourhealth.net. Mm -hmm. and this uh, midwestdpc.alliance.org websites in the podcast notes. Great. Awesome. Awesome. Diane Voss, thank you so much for being with me today. It's been fun. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Radiate Wellness is a community of holistic and alternative healers and consultants based in the Kansas City area dedicated to helping you create spiritual, energetic, and physical well-being. To learn more about our practitioners, services, classes, and events, or to schedule an appointment, visit us at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. If you're inspired by the teachings of Dr. Wayne Dyer, you will love the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast with Nadia Dela Cruz. You are a spiritual being having a human experience. My name is Nadia Dela Cruz, and I started the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast to explore spiritual topics like manifestation and meditation with guests who share their own stories of insight, awakening, and transformation. Listen now on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.